Gotham Sound is your one-stop audio solution for microphones, mixers, recorders, podcasting, and wireless. Whether you're looking to rent or buy sound equipment, are working at a church, feature film, a television show, podcast, theater, or a student project, Gotham Sound is here to serve you. With a huge selection of new and used gear, it's your first stop before you buy. Gotham Sound has the pro audio you need to make your project sound true professional. Gotham has been around for 18 years perfecting pro audio. Visit us at GothamSound.com. Every day, over three and a half million children walk, bike, and ride to a Christian school. Every day. But many of our schools are in danger of closing. Our Christian schools are too important to our children, to our families, and to our nation to let that happen. Christian School Management at ChristianSchoolManagement.org is dedicated to the health of our Christian schools. Contact ChristianSchoolManagement.org to help your Christian school fill and stay filled with children impacting our nation. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Under Our Roof is the name of the book, A Son's Battle for Recovery, A Mother's Battle for Her Son. Madeline Dean, you've heard of her, Congresswoman, and Harry Kudan. Uh, her son is with us as well, written mother and son uh, together. Welcome uh, to the program. Thank you, Michael, so much. It's great to be on. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission. To make you sound your best, thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Yeah, your book is about redemption. It's about uh, uh, addiction and recovery. And, you know, you guys share your guts and soul and blood, <laughs> everything in this book. And uh, it's it's very visceral and graphic and and real and loving and so many different things. And, and both are, uh, of you articulate so well uh, in your book, Under uh, Our Roof. Let's just start out with, uh, you know, what does this mean to you as far as uh, getting all this out on the page? Thanks so much. Uh, you know, for us, the book has meant a lot of different things. I mean, initially, 
you know, when we thought about writing this book, it was really how can we share our story and help somebody? And and something that you had touched on is the only way to share a story, um, especially a story like this that goes into, you know, active addiction and the recovery process and sort of this major transformation within our family system is to be as honest as possible, to get vulnerable and to share a lot of things that, you know, might be uncomfortable. One of the, somebody who we were talking to early on in this process um, told us that writing this book was going to be very, very hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And that if it wasn't, then we weren't doing it right. You know, he said, it's not a diary. You're not just recounting events. You have to really go back and relive it. And that's, you know, that's something that we held on to and tried to maintain throughout the process of writing the book. Yeah. I mean, your mother, a a well-known congresswoman, and we'll talk about her and, and, uh, you know, her acumen and what she does. And uh, she's a strong lady. I'm just reading the book, uh, how she loved you through the, the torment uh, the turbulent times of, you know, it's this whole kind of cat and mouse game where, you know, mother loves you. Uh, you're hiding from the, you know, this terrible addiction. You don't want people to know, but you're in love with the addiction and you could just feel her love for you. And also how her heart has been torn from her chest. This is probably very similar with a lot of parents that deal with the addiction under the roof. Absolutely. Um, I mean, my mom is an incredibly strong loving, caring woman. And, you know, I think something that we wanted to put out there was, you know, especially in her work and, you know, in the different work that she's done over the years, um, she's had the opportunity to to show that, to be that, you know, but at certain times when it comes to your own children, it can be challenging to figure it out, you know, there because there's this overwhelming love and this sense of, you know, willingness to do whatever it takes to to care for your kids. When your kid, like me, is lying to you over mm. and over, it, it puts you in a very difficult position. And I think that's something that um, is going to be relatable to a lot of families, whether it's addiction or not. Within family systems, there's often some lies and deception, and and it's hard to to get to the bottom of it and figure it out until till someone breaks down and is willing to get vulnerable and get honest. Yeah, we want it's amazing uh, the journey because uh, you know, you take us through all the pains uh, from uh, from vomiting. I mean, I just have to say all, all the different things that you would go through and your mom and the worry and keeping up at night and trying to figure this out, but also, you know, she's an American politician, US uh, representative, right? She's uh, a congresswoman. Yes. Tell tell us a little bit about your mom. So, my mom is like I said, she's smart, she's driven, she's passionate. Um, you know, she's done a few different things over her career. Earlier on, she was a lawyer. Um, when I was, me and my brothers were growing up, she had transitioned and was a professor at LaSalle University and was teaching writing and ethics and, um, you know, gave her more of a an opportunity to to be home and have a little bit more flexibility at that point while we were younger. Um, and as we, you know, grew up and she had a little bit more time as we were getting out of the house, she decided, you know, to follow something that she had always wanted to do and, and to enter into politics. Um, so she's, she's had a couple different roles. She was, a um, just a township commissioner, a state representative, and now, you know, since 2018, uh, the Congresswoman for Pennsylvania fourth district. 
Amazing. And, uh, you know, I just want to do a little research. I went on YouTube is Chris Cuomo, Dana Dash, you know, she's everywhere on television. You must be proud. I, I couldn't be more proud. Um, you know, being able to watch both people seeing that, you know, seeing what I see, right. And, and, and sort of giving her a chance to, to be a voice in many different areas. Um, because I've seen over the years, just how dedicated, and passionate she is. And that's based in the service of what she's doing, you know, trying to serve her constituents, trying to do what's right, trying to fight for the things that matter. Um, so it's just, you know, it's amazing to see, and I'm couldn't be more proud. Yeah. She gets to the bottom of things. I love the way she writes. I like the way both of you write and sharing your heart. Um, and it's, it's kind of like a little bit of a duet, you know, and it's not, not an easy duet. Because uh, it, it could be heart-wrenching, as we mentioned, with addiction. But uh, you can see uh, in her writing, she gets to the bottom of things. Uh, she's uh, dogged, determined, and tough. And, uh, and that love uh, you know, carried both of you through. Uh, we're going to be right back with Harry Kunan. And uh, he is the author, along with Madeline Dean, Congresswoman. The book is Under Our Roof, A Son's Battle for Recovery, A Mother's Battle for Her Son, right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions. The ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Charlotte Christian College and Theological Seminary believes that every Christian has a distinct calling and that he or she must boldly respond to that call. Charlotte Christian specializes in equipping the adult learner and all degrees are available both online and on campus. Degree fields include urban Christian ministry, biblical studies, pastoral studies, and more. So whether you are called to full-time ministry or as a co-vocational minister, Charlotte Christian can help you. Visit us at charlottechristian.edu or call 704-334-6882. Start your fragrance line and make money with bostonperfumery.com. Design custom cologne or perfume using natural ingredients. Imagine 10% butterscotch, 20% sandalwood, and 70% vanilla dark. Choose any scents and any percentage from the Boston Perfumery Sun Chart, then name your custom fragrance. Visit bostonperfumery.com. Again, bostonperfumery.com. Everyone deserves a signature scent. Okay, Harry Kanan joins us. He is the author of the book, Under Our Roof, along with his mom, Congresswoman Madeline Dean, a son's battle for recovery, a mother's battle for her son. So where do you always like to start when you talk about the book? How would you explain the book to people? It's a good question because there's a lot of sort of different ways. Um, I think at its core, the book is kind of a mother-son love story um, that goes through the pains and challenges and and redemption um, of someone who battled addiction and a substance use disorder and, and was able to, through a lot of help, find themselves in recovery. Um, so for us, and just something we talked about just before the break there was you mentioned it's a bit like a duet. The book is written in dual voices. We went back and forth and, 
part of our writing process was we wrote completely separately. We came up with an outline of events that we Is wanted. Is that true? To- wow. Yes. So we, you know, we started with an outline of key events that we thought would help in sharing this story. And we wrote about them by ourselves from our own perspective. We didn't want to read what the other was writing, which would potentially change how we perceived that event. Hmm. Um, So our editors or our editor, Derek Reed, was amazing in helping to weave it back together. But, you know, that's kind of the process of how we did it completely separately to try to maintain that honesty and what we truly experienced without any shift based on, you know, what we were learning from each other years later. I find that amazing because I was thinking, boy, both of them are tracking here. And, uh, you know, Madeline is sharing her heart. And, uh, you know, I tell people that, uh, you know, I read the book. Of course, I, I have read people's books, but I felt more led to read most of or if not all of your book. And I want to continue even after the interview. It is uh it is actually riveting. It, it almost reads like uh, a movie. There's a lot of suspense. There's a, And I think the most important thing that makes it a good book is that both of your voices uh, have presence. They stand out. It's honest. And it's funny how you go from, you know, addiction, you're lying to everybody, you're lying to yourself, the people you love the most. And, uh, and then you have to be more honest than anybody in order to get well. Yes. It's an interesting process, you know, being in recovery and, and thanks for the, you know, kind words just about the book in general. But, you know, I think something that I've learned, um, you know, through being in recovery, and I think is an important thing to state is that when I got into recovery, I thought initially that if I just put the drugs down, if I was able to get some distance from the drugs, that everything would be okay. Um, But what had come along with addiction were so many behaviors that were ingrained in me to try to protect my secret and protect my drug use, you know, were things that had to be unlearned. You know, the secrecy, the lies, the manipulation, all of that had to be transformed into a more positive outlet. Otherwise, I would be driven right back because I would be uncomfortable and miserable in the way that I was living so it had to be completely flipped on its on its head. Yeah, and let's talk about that as far as what you do now. Was it Karen or Karan is the name of the of the place you work? Karen Treatment Centers. Karen um, Treatment Center. You attended there, and now you're the regional resource director. Yes. Um, so it's it's amazing. You know, I've been so grateful to have the opportunity to you know to come back and work for Karen. I started working at Karen about a year and a half ago. You know, I initially walked through the doors of Karen as a patient a little more than eight years ago and just never would have foreseen, you know, that I could be where I am today. But, you know, I will say I Karen offers incredible treatment and incredible services on a variety of levels and in, you know, multiple locations. And just to be able to go and do something for work that I am so passionate about and just believe in. Um, because it truly, my experience there was the beginning of the journey for me that just has transformed my life. Yeah. And when you're that honest with people, with yourself, but also with others, it, it's, it triggers or it sets off uh, other people feeling it's okay, it's safe you know, to be that honest and transparent, it's good, good to get it out in the open. And so uh, that, that's what was so much enjoyable and, uh, and personable 
and meaningful to read your book because for both Madeline, your mom and yourself, it was just sharing. Uh, it wasn't, you know, trying to sweeten things out. It was just really sharing both of your hearts or how you got to this point. And so um, what would you tell someone in a nutshell, how hard just about what the toughest thing is about overcoming uh, addiction? For me, you know, at the end of my addiction was an overwhelming sense of hopelessness, mm. desperation of, you know, truly self-loathing. I just hated myself because, you know, I think sometimes we don't necessarily realize um, when we look at someone who's in active addiction, you know, because of their actions, um, you know, when I was there, I wanted more than anything else to stop using drugs. Every day I wanted to stop, but I was incapable to stop on my own. I needed help. Um, I didn't know that at the time. And, and I felt a great deal of shame and stigma, which is why I didn't ask for help for a long time. You know, so I think for, for me and for others, it's trying to open the window to just a bit of hope that there is another way that recovery is possible. Um, because for a long time, I did not believe that that was possible. I didn't believe that my, my life could change in the way that it has. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about that too. Uh, we're going to be back in just a bit with Harry Kunan. He is the author of the book under our roof, along with his mom, Congresswoman Madeline Dean, uh, a son's battle for recovery, a mother's battle for her son. You got to read this book because uh, you learn a tremendous amount of what it goes through and the tough love, really, how a mother just loves her child and does not want to see, you know, the, the turmoil involved. Anyhow, we'll talk more about it right after this. Christians in Action Missions International is actively accepting applications from those desiring to win the lost at any cost. We've been sending long-term missionaries throughout the world for 62 years. We emphasize intentional personal evangelism, equipping disciples, and planting churches among the nations. We empower national leadership to demonstrate and declare the love of God to the unreached, Journey with us as we take the gospel to the world. Log on at CINAMI.org. That's CINAMI.org. Or call 559-370-4103. The world and everything in it delivers sound journalism grounded in God's Word through a daily 30-minute podcast. From essential headlines to feature stories to international news straight from the field. After only one or two listens, you'll wonder how you got through your daily routine without it. Listen anywhere you typically enjoy podcasts or by going to wng.org slash podcast. God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. Okay, we're back with Harry Kunan, author of Under Our Roof. We're talking about recovery, uh, addiction, and a mother's love for her son. So this is a brand new book. And I, I mean, could they make a movie out of this? I think so. <laughs> 
it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, don't, I don't. I think my mom would have a very hard time watching it again, just knowing how <laughs> you know how the process went. But um, you know, in my eyes, it's. I'd love to. Whether it's this or anything else, I think just being able to share stories of addiction and recovery is a valuable thing to helping try to reduce the stigma. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let, let's talk about really how this happens. And I want to share something with you, too, because, you know, uh, in my background, uh, a little bit of a uh, an internship or a registered intern for uh, for counseling. So I figured the best way to do this, I'll go to re- a recovery treatment center. Right. I have no prior addiction experience. OK, uh, I'm thrown into a group. It was, uh, you know, group counseling. Right. And you can guess what's going to happen here. I was like thrown into the lion's den. I'm hearing your story. I'm reading your book, how you went to to hell and back. And you know exactly what these people, you know, people who suffer from addiction go through. You can reach them with your story, Uh, you know, the wretchedness of it and also, you know, the, the redemption coming through. And they said to me, have you ever been in recovery? And I said, well, no, but uh, but I could still help you. And and I believe that at the time, I don't believe that now. <laughs> I believe you have to go through it. I believe that um, you it's there's such a gulf or gap between these harrowing experiences that if you haven't gone through it, pretty tough to reach someone. I I would say don't you know don't sell yourself short. I, <laughs> I come across there is incredible value in you know being able to relate to someone who has lived it and gone through it. Um, but I will say, you know, in my current work with care and treatment centers, I get to meet with many, many therapists, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and different resources that are out there, you know, and I have found many that do incredible work without that individual experience. And, and sometimes they may have a family experience or otherwise, but, uh, so don't sell yourself short. I think there is value on, on all sides and, there's something that everybody can potentially do to help someone who is struggling with. I, I believe that. I mean, I really do. In the bottom of my heart, I believe it. But I, I just know that uh, to be able to relate to these uh, kind of situations where it's just it's just a certain darkness that I think once you've experienced it, someone who has been in recovery, uh, they get certain relate. I want to talk about something that was really a graphic that you were willing to die on the hospital table rather than tell your secret. I mean, this is really suspenseful stuff. I, I'm not giving it away because you're still alive. So you didn't, you didn't die, thank God. But here your mom is, she's trying to get to the bottom of the problem. Uh, they've asked you numerous times, Do you have, have you taken any kind of drugs? We're gonna put you under and this could have a reaction. You're holding on to the drugs in your pocket for dear life. You're willing to die rather than share your secret and have everyone find out that must've been tough to write. Can you tell us about that, that moment there? It it was, um, it was tough to write. And, you know, I know that for my mom, it was incredibly tough to read. Uh, but for me, you know, as I, I looked back on that moment, um, that's one of the most powerful moments where the shame is so visible, Mm. you know, and the fear, um, I think that moment encapsulates some of the fear that I felt every waking moment during my active addiction of being so afraid to have this secret exposed and bring that shame that I felt 
onto my family, you know, because it does this, the disease of addiction impacts and affects the whole family. And I was just so terrified. You know, I, in that moment, I believed that if I just died, it might be easier on everybody Mm. because I was so miserable with the way I was living. I didn't see a way out. Um, And I thought that if anybody knew what was really going on, it would only hurt them even more. It's a great picture in the back of the book. Your mom, again, Congresswoman uh, Madeline Dean, looking at you with, uh, you know, (laughs) beaming eyes, A a great picture. Uh, smiling and uh, and proud. And I'm sure she is, you know, right now of you as well, as far as what you're doing. And you see every day, I'm sure in your work, that stories that uh, some don't have happy endings though, which is very sad. And some uh, people overdose, some people you have to see uh, leave this earth uh, while others are like you, where now you have a child. Is that right? I do. I have... Uh... I've got two kids at the moment. I have a third on the way, but wow. you know, and what you mentioned, I mean, it's, I, I live in this world every day of between my, my work and in doing this book and just all of my friends, you know, essentially now being people in recovery, you know, it's horrifying to see how many people don't have the happy ending um, and yes. do unfortunately die at the hands of this disease. And, you know, especially now they, they put out numbers, uh, of a 12 month period, I believe ending in May and the overdose numbers are significantly up. Everything is pointing to that, you know, in the full year of 2020, they're going to be significantly up. Um, everything going on with COVID is, is making it even more difficult, That's uh, right. you know, because so much of recovery is that community support and, you know, that, that connection with somebody else, which isn't the intention of, you know, what's going on with COVID, but, but we need to look at that and find creative ways to, to be able to reach out and, and help more people. And the last thing I'd add on that is just a big part for me of writing this book was I've lost a lot of friends mm. to addiction and I, and I've heard and, and heard about so many others. So I wanted to share the other side of what is possible because when I was in active addiction, all I heard about were the people dying and the horror stories. And although it's a a harsh reality, I think that, you know, my goal was to try to share a more hopeful story because there are so many countless others like me that are in this recovery process and have transformed their lives that don't talk about it because they go back to sort of living a normal life. So it's just this hidden got to give back in this one, you know, <laughs> you got to, you got to give back because it's uh, when you overcome uh, so much, you know, it's, I mean, it's like you have a second lease on life. It's hard. I would think it's hard for people not to tell their story. Yes. I heard early on and, you know, I'm sure it's some cliche. I didn't coin the term, but you know, <laughs> some told me early in recovery that, you know, through this, you get to live two lifetimes in one lifetime. And that's, you know, really in a lot of ways, how I feel the, the life that I had pre-recovery and the life that I live today are so dramatically different, but both have given me so much to learn from. Yeah. So Harry, I want to ask you when it comes to addiction, you know, do you, does it get too close to home sometimes when you talk about addiction with people? I mean, it's like, once you overcome it, you overcome it. You ever, you never look back, do you? You know, it's so addiction and the way I view it, and it's a very, it's a treatable disease. 
there's no cure yet uh, that, that I've been made aware of. So it's something that I have to stay vigilant of and have to continue to work at recovery. Um, I've seen a lot of people with significant amounts of time in recovery go back, um, you know, and, and face a relapse. And so it is something that is sort of a never ending personal journey. And you have to admit that, right? I mean, it's like when people don't say that, that's bad, right? (laughs) When they say, if you you think you've got it, that's a bad place to be. Uh, You know, it it is a continued, it gets way easier, um, you know, or has gotten significantly easier for me over time. But that's not to say that, you know, I'm still human and I need to continue to, to make my recovery a priority uh, to avoid that and continue to just be grateful and I think that that is the gratitude helps me to to see the value in the life that I have um, and to work to avoid to going back to what where I was. What I love is that your mother was willing to go to the darkness, the depths of despair to reach you with her love. Her love, you know, carried her through. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And uh, she held on to that through thick and thin. She could have written you off. Uh, she didn't. Uh, it was this love, you know, that that is the voice that you hear in the book, the love of a mother and, and the despair uh, going through all these uh, disappointments. And uh, she wanted to believe the, in the best in you. And then she saw the best in you. And then, and then it, with your recovery. But um, how do you feel about that? You know, your mother, when you were at your worst, when you had, I don't know, with, you know skin issues or whatever it is from, from addiction, it's just seeing your teeth uh, in, uh, in the worst possible condition, you know, your hygiene uh, appearance but still able to see the best in her son, even at your worst. Her, you know, and I think that's just, it's summed up in, in a mother's love. And, you know, she could have written me off. Um, you know, we definitely, we butt heads, you know, we battled along the way as, you know, we tried to navigate the lies and deception, but you know, what, what she had said that, really at my lowest point, just as I was entering treatment, she, you know, she told me she was proud of me and that blew me away, mm. blew me away. I could not grasp that. I couldn't see it based on how I felt about myself. How could she possibly say that? Um, you know, so her support was so important and so valuable um, to me and early on and kind of helping to break down some of the negative self-image that I felt, you know, so she, she's remarkable. And I think it's something that is pretty unique to, you know, a parent's love for a child because just about everybody else that I was around, if it wasn't my immediate family, either had or was ready to just write me off. Yeah. Your mother, Madeline Dean, and once again, U.S. Representative, uh, Congresswoman of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's fourth congressional uh, district, and she's been on CNN again all over the place. And do you ever feel that you might want to, you know, get on board with that? Is there a place in in Washington for any initiatives you'd like to to be a part of and watching your mom? Or do you just want to stay away from politics? Um, so I, I like where I am, you know, right now. Um, I will say I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about the work that I do in the treatment space and in the recovery field. Um, and as of right now, that's where I want to stay. Yes. Uh, you know, if there's anything, I'm, I'm always picking her brain and trying to offer suggestions, you know, specifically around this issue, this issue, 
as well as others. Um, but I'm, I'm couldn't be more proud of her for the work that she does. But it is a very unique uh, position to be in, and not certain that that would that would be for me. <laughs> yeah, especially what happened on Capitol Hill. I mean, there was that. How did you feel about that? Do people ask you that all the time with the insurrection, the riots, the the you know all that was happening? Your mother was in the building. I I am asked that frequently, and you know, really, I just it was a horrifying day for her, for our family, for this country, for everybody watching. And you know, I was fortunate that throughout the process, we were able to stay in contact with her on the phone. Um, you know, but it was just, it's, it's a scary thing to watch. Terrible. And to just, you know, to watch it literally on the news um, and not knowing where in that picture she is, you know, knowing she was there, she was, you know, up in the gallery, um, you know, for the votes and, but just not knowing what was happening inside and the, the footage on TV was horrifying. Horrifying. I mean, again, to, to actually see that or hear that up close, um, but when I heard about that, that she was in the building, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have to ask the question. I hope you don't mind, but it's just, you know, thank God that it turned out everyone was, you know, well, not everybody was safe. Not everybody. People did die. Um, but thank God your mom, you know, is, uh, is, is safe. So Harry, um, I do want to ask you though, your mom's not here right now, as far as, you know, to talk about the book again, Congresswoman Madeline Dean, but uh, what do you think her voice is in this book? How would you describe her voice? So I think in the book, you know, in life and how she's viewed in many ways today, she's the Congresswoman. Um, I think in this book, she is the mother um, who is trying to navigate having a son, struggling with addiction, and also trying to, you know, continue in the book. It goes through her initial thoughts of getting into politics and navigating her own way during such a chaotic time based on the things that I was doing. Um, but I would say, you know, her voice in this book is kind of take the political hat off in many ways mm -hmm. and a real look into the relationship that we had through some some troubling times. Yeah. And that's why you got people have to read this book, because if anybody knows anybody in addiction, you have a, a son, a daughter in addiction, you have to get this book. I mean, I, I was riveted by it because uh, it was just honest. And uh, the two voices uh, of Harry Canaan and uh, and Madeline Dean just sharing their hearts and uh, talking about what it did. It took a toll <laughs> on everybody. Uh, a son's battle for recovery, a mother's battle for her son. And um, when I was a, a counselor, I just uh, for a brief, it was like stage left, you know. <laughs> but when I did it very briefly, they would have uh, you could hear the tough love because they put the, the parent on the phone and say it's time to talk to your mom or dad. And uh, and they start cursing at their parents and saying, you know, I hate you. And uh, and just some terrible things I can't even mention. And then in the same breath, they're like, OK, so bring my cigarettes, OK? <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's, you could hear the kind of like the love. How would you describe that? Because it was one of the things I was a little miffed about, you know, that uh, the parent was still answering in love, even though they were kind of getting abused and the person was getting abused by the parent. Yeah, they are. And that's where, you know, addiction is such a family disease where it is not something that only impacts the identified patient. Everybody is impacted by it in the family system. And you know, especially for somebody in treatment, it's a very, it's a difficult time for the family. It's a difficult time for the patient. 
it completely disrupts the family system, right? Where at that point, oftentimes, the family is used to that chaotic communication. And it's an opportunity to really reset boundaries on both sides where the the parents need healthy boundaries, the patient needs healthy boundaries, and an opportunity to learn how to sort of do things on their own again. And, you know, there's some difficult conversations that, you know, I had with my mom when I was in treatment, because there's still, you know, like I said earlier, there is an overwhelming sense of shame and regret and disappointment that the addict feels in themselves, or at least that I did. It's difficult also for the parents to wrap their heads around what's going on and, and accept it and and try to heal from it because yeah can't, can't imagine someone being self-destructive can't imagine why people someone would hold on to that uh and sometimes the pain i imagine right is is all you have sometimes just some of the the loathing and the darkness i i don't know if people are even comforted by that but it's hard for people to understand why they would put themselves through that well i would say you know part of it is and that's a great way that you asked it because it kind of sets up part of how I felt. I was in incredible pain, but I knew that pain. And there was some comfort in knowing what that pain was. So to do something different, to try something dramatically different had a risk, right? That there could be a positive outcome or it could feel even worse than the pain that I was comfortable in. So I think there was, you know, for me, a real sense of comfort in the pain that I was already in just because it had become so second nature. It's what I knew. It's what I lived in all the time. And I, I didn't want to change that because I didn't want it to get worse. Yeah. In, in the book, you, you see how low you went physically, your appearance, uh, as far as, you know, obviously you're very bright, but back then, you know, it seemed like, uh, failing grades, like it, it almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like this guy's never going to get anywhere. <laughs> you know, it, as you're reading was. the book and, and it seemed like you thought very little of yourself, I should mention again before I hand it over to you that you're, you know, again, the place you attended, the uh, treatment center, Karen, uh, Harry Kunan is the regional resource director. I mean, it's an amazing story. Go ahead. No, it, like you said, it, it was in a lot of ways a self-fulfilling prophecy of taking myself lower because it stemmed out of the idea that. I wanted to stop using drugs, but day in and day out, I failed at that. So anything else that I wanted to do, I was convinced that I wasn't going to be capable of. So the expectations that I had for myself when I was young of being successful and having a family and and doing all of these things that I watched my parents do, um, I watched my older brother do, I had come to accept that that wasn't it for me. I wasn't going to be able to do that when I was at my lowest moments. And I Mm -hmm. I had a very negative and small outlook on my life. And it continued to shrink and shrink and shrink until there was just about nothing left. And did you have a Jesus moment? I have to ask, because when I, when I came to Christ, I'm crying out to God, hyperventilating. I can't do this myself. I, you know, crying and hype, you know, just bawling out to God. Uh, someone shared the gospel with me about Jesus, but uh, I'm sure you see a lot of, we'll say Jesus moments where people come to him in treatment and, uh, and their lives are changed. Uh, did that happen to you? And uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, so I was raised, you know, Catholic, uh, big Irish Catholic family, and that's sort of all I knew. And I had through the 
the negative effects of my addiction, I had really come very far away from any sort of faith or belief in, in anything, you know, in myself in any sort of God or higher power. And, and I thought sort of for a while there that I was kind of an atheist and, but I found myself late at night talking to my daughter when I was struggling um, the most and before I went to treatment. And as I look back, I see those conversations because she was an infant, you know, weeks, just a couple of months old, you know, sort of me starting the process of prayer, you know, and I was approached by a priest when I was at Karen, a guy named Father Bill, who came to me and said, Harry, you're not a bad person trying to be good. You're a sick person trying to get well. Mm. And that moment, it helped to open the door to really change my perspective because I had for years just felt like a bad person Um, because the things that I did, I knew were wrong, but I couldn't not do them. You know, and I had a lot of these moments. That was one. And, And then I was in a sort of extended sober living home, a place called Little Creek. And there was a rabbi there that I was working with. And, you know, I'm this Catholic kid. I'm talking to this rabbi and he's talking to me about prayer. And I'm still really closed off to the idea of prayer at this point in my life. And he started to explain some of the science behind prayer, you know, which gave me a a window to, to listen. And he talked about the neural pathways in your brain and how you can literally change them through prayer, you know, by speaking a prayer out loud. And the first time I prayed in recovery, I was in this house with about 20 other guys in early recovery. And I went, I was so ashamed to pray. I went into a bathroom, locked the doors, turned on the water just to try to completely hide. And I just said, God help me, you know, and I found for me that I haven't fully made my way back to sort of full a specific religion, but the spirituality and the faith that I have today is just immense and is such an important part for me of recovery. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, just what you just said, because uh, people don't realize that, you know, uh, you know, God will listen. God will listen. So, you know, those prayers, uh, you know, go up to him. And the last thing I just want to end by saying in, in your book, you mentioned as time went on, this is in your book, my self-loathing turn to self-love. I haven't used drugs in three years and four, and the promises that had been made to me in treatment were coming true before my eyes. My relationships were mended, and the desire to use had truly and fully been lifted. In meeting after meeting, I watched as formerly hopeless addicts turned their lives around. These men and women had arrived with the blank stare of desperation, but their faces were now transformed. The life returning to their eyes, hope. I love that. Thank you. Um, I love that. And your story is going to reach a lot of people. How can people reach you? How can people buy your book? Um, so the book is available now sort of for pre-order everywhere um, that books are sold. It's under our roof coming out February 16th. And just to throw another little plug in there, my mom and I actually have another book launching the same day, um, really? which is a children's picture book uh, called You Are Always Loved, which is aimed at giving children and families, um, you know, maybe it's a child with a parent or caregiver that's struggling, an opportunity to talk about some of these these issues without the harsh language of addiction, but to look at fear and to look at loss and to try to have those conversations in a way that's meaningful and open, you know, so that's 
You Are Always Loved is also coming alongside, and that's really geared for for children and families uh, who are struggling because this impacts so, so many people. You're really both uh, articulating this and getting the message out, and it's hitting home, and uh, and it's authentic. That's the thing. When you when you read the book, it's so authentic. And, and Harry, just between you and I, can you, can you get me an interview with both of you on Capitol Hill? I've never seen the White House. I'd, I'd love that. I would love it, too. Uh, yeah. Harry Kunan and Congresswoman Madeline Dean have written a wonderful book about addiction and recovery. It's called Under Our Roof. A son's battle for recovery, a mother's battle for her son. Go get the book. Thanks again for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.